we react as humans, we react much better to a story than a spreadsheet. And so you need to, you can't just leave it at the data. I'm a firm proponent of data being in the front seat, if we're keeping with the driving metaphor, but data should navigate, the human should drive. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76. The dragon food factory is falling behind. Uncle Manny makes the best dragon food in the business. His employees are working as hard as they can, but they can't make enough dragon food to keep their customers happy. Can Supply Jane and her sidekick FIFO find and fix the bottleneck? This is the intro you'll find on Amazon for the book that today's guest has written to help teach children about the simple yet powerful concepts that make the world around us work. And in this case, supply chain, logistics, and inventory management principles. Hey, we've had plenty of conversations on this show about getting the next generation interested in manufacturing, but with the help of Supply Jane and FIFO, maybe this one's here to reach the generation after the next generation. Let me introduce today's guest. Megan Preston Meyer is an author, speaker, and communications consultant with more than 10 years' experience in supply chain and analytics roles. After digging through data for more than a decade, Megan realized that numbers could never tell the whole story, so now she focuses on stories that the data does not tell. Megan is the creator of Adventures of Supply Chain and FIFO, a series of picture books that teach supply chain and operations management concepts to kids, and she is an avid collector of jargon. Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad to be here. Cool. Well, you know, you you caught my attention before we first talked a few weeks ago when I saw your books and I thought, wow, you're writing kids' books around supply chain. Like this is I have to have this conversation with you regardless of whether it's a podcast episode or not. And I think it'll be great for our our listeners to kind of hear what you're doing there and why. So really cool and, and a really great way to personally brand yourself too and in a way that sticks out. Thanks. So Megan, you've spent over 10 years in supply chain and analytics. Can you start by telling our listeners a little bit more about your background that got you to where you are today? Sure. So I did my my MBA was in operations management, and I sort of fell in love with the idea of standardization. First of all, standardization, doing the exact same thing over and over again, as well as possible, and then continuously improving. And after that, I realized that sort of the best way to work on continuous improvement was by, like I say, digging into the data, starting to understand what the numbers are telling you. And then throughout my career, took on different roles, uh, moving more towards the analytics side of things. I started out very sort of on the kind of cut and dried supply chain optimization side and then moved throughout my career towards much more just analytics and insights and started to get more onto the sort of psychology of how consumers think. And so that journey was really interesting to see the entire spectrum 
And along the way, I did realize that numbers are amazing. They are necessary, but they are not sufficient. So no matter what you're doing in business, as long as there are humans involved, you need human judgment as well. You can't just rely on the data. Dig a little deeper there for me on that one. You, you stated in your bio that after sorting through data for more than a decade, you realized that numbers could never tell the whole story. Like, can you unpack that a little bit further and tell us what, you know, what your experiences have taught you on that front? Sure. I mean, we talk so much about being data-driven. And every single industry, every single business wants to be data-driven and, and should be. I mean, data, like I said, is a, we have to know what's going on in our operations. But no matter how sophisticated your analysis, no matter how data science you get, no matter how objectively right you are, the results of your analysis have to be carried out. They have to be, you're either recommending a course of action, you're trying to get approval from a board, you have to somehow tell the story. And so that's, the numbers aren't going to do that on their own. You have to flesh them out. You have to create something a little bit more vivid. You know, we react as humans, we react much better to a story than a spreadsheet. And so you need to, you can't just leave it at the data. I'm a firm proponent of data being in the front seat, if we're keeping with the driving metaphor, but data should navigate, the human should drive. Yeah, well said. I think, I mean, this is a part of my world too, as a, a marketing guy, and I've come up over the last, I don't know, 15 years roughly of my career with sort of come up with marketing analytics digitally. And I've said this a few times on the show, but I think it was 2005 when Google Analytics came into existence. And it's also the year I entered the workforce. And like, and there's just an, I think there's an overwhelm of, of data sometimes where there's so much available to you that you almost don't know what to do with it all. And it's unless you can pull out, you know, be able to interpret that and pull out the things that actually matter and then be able to explain it to stakeholders that need to understand the impact of this data in a way that makes sense to them and helps them understand what to then do with it. It's kind of becomes so overwhelming that it, it, it's, it's meaningless in some ways. Exactly. And, and what you said is exactly right. There is so, so, so much data out there that I mean, the data isn't the... That's not the problem. There's all kinds of answers. Um, I think one problem that we run into is that we kind of assume that there's one right answer. And for most problems, that's not the case. There are many good answers. And the data is going to basically point us to whichever one we want to find. And that's not... I'm not trying to say that we manipulate. Like That's just the case. There's very little in business that is purely linear or purely cause and effect. And so really the value that's added is digging through the noise and to find the signal like you're saying, and then bring that across to stakeholders. So let's shift gears here, Megan. I've spoken to a number of people on this show about how we can get the next generation interested in manufacturing. And in the meantime, it you almost have focused on how to get the generation after the next generation uh, interested in manufacturing by creating this series, what is now a series of books, I guess, or at least a few of them. I'll let you talk about that. But you've, you've essentially created children's books that teach about the manufacturing supply chain. So I'm going to turn it over to you here. I, break it down. Tell us what, what inspired this. Talk about what the book and then now the books are. I'll, I'll hand it to you. Absolutely. So the books are The Adventures of Supply Chain and FIFO. 
So there are two books, like you said. The first one is called FIFO Saves the Day. And it teaches kids the concept of stock rotation and perishable inventory management. So it's a, a play on um, FIFO, of course, first in, first out. And it couches the problem in a grocery store that sells dragon eggs. And so the, the poor grocery shopkeeper keeps the dragon eggs on the shelf a little bit too long and they start to hatch. And so then Supply Jane and her, um, her dog FIFO have to come in and save the day. And the second book that I just released is called Supply Jane Clears the Way. And this one is focused on bottlenecks in manufacturing. So uh, Supply Jane goes to her uncle's dragon food factory and they realize that somewhere between the, uh, the, the baking and the shipping department, there's a slowdown. So they have to work their way backwards until they find where the bottleneck is and then fix that so the whole factory can run more efficiently. The purpose of the books is to, um, the purpose now, I've sort of retrofit the purpose, I guess, is to really bring these, these hidden concepts, this hidden logic that sort of makes the world work to light, bring this, make it a lot more accessible to kids. This is not, you know, when we talk about STEM in education and in, in children's books these days, and often we are talking about rocket science, quite literally. And this is not that. These are, these are simple everyday concepts. I mean, first in, first out, you can see at the grocery store yourself. You know, when you go, um, you're picking up a gallon of milk. If you check the expiration date, if you go a couple of gallons back, you'll see a different expiration date. And to be clear, I'm not recommending anyone do this because they're put in this order so that you take the first one out. You don't want to mess up anybody's inventory planning. So, so please stick with the, the way that the milk is positioned. But it, it shows, it makes these concepts accessible to kids. It puts some, you know, adds some dragons in there. So it's a little bit more entertaining and engaging. But I think it's something that it's, it's common sense, but it's not obvious. And I think that's a really good message for kids to start, you know, to start hearing, to start looking out for some of these rules and these, these patterns that make the world work. Yeah, I think it's really smart. It's just all these things around us. Why, why do they work the way they do? Why are they set up the way they do? There's, a, there's logic behind most of it. And so to bring that into a setting that you know, is, is part of the world of, of a child, I think is a really unique and interesting approach. So Megan, I like the timing of our conversation here because just last week I I bought fresh off the press a book called I, w- I think it's called I Want to Be a Marketer When I Grow Up. It was written by Dan Sanchez who works at Sweetfish Media, which is the company that produces this podcast. And I thought it was really cool because that's what I am. I'm a marketer. I've got a seven year old and a five year old, a newborn at home, and you know, in particular, my my seven year old and five year old like. They don't have a clue what I do. They see me, you know, working from home some days, like in front of a computer and talking to all these people that that they call my work friends. And but you know, it's different than if your your dad is a, a firefighter or a police officer or uh, you know something that they can wrap their heads around. And so, I'm guessing maybe this was part of the angle you took when you when you said, I mean, I don't you, know, you come from supply chain, but but just kind of curious, like why supply chain and why do you why do you want to bring these concepts to, to kids in particular. That's exactly, exactly the reason, like you said, is I think the books are a great way to bridge that 
you know, what does mommy do at work all day conversation. And there are a couple of points in, in what you just said. First of all, it is very easy for a kid to identify a police officer or a fireman or a doctor. You know, they have uniforms, they have a stethoscope or a badge, but what does a supply chain professional wear to work? You know, like a polo or a button down. And they look like everybody else who does sort of a, you know, a job at a desk. And, you know, like what does a marketer look like? Looks like you right now. And that's not going to be, you know, that doesn't translate as well to a picture book. You know, you can't just caricaturize a, a marketer. Although it sounds like it sounds like your colleague has. So maybe I will check out that book for some competitive research here. And the other thing too is that when you are a policeman or a doctor or a fireman, your job description is, I don't want to say it's narrow. I mean, you still have a lot of you do something different every single day. But when you say you're a marketer and someone else is their marketer, you might never do the same task ever in your entire career. There's such a breadth there. And I think with supply chain, it's similar. There's an entire, I mean, literally from manufacturing to last mile logistics, there's all kinds of positions in there. And so there's just purely statistically more kids that are reading bedtime stories today are going to end up in supply chain careers, then we'll end up as police officers. And so the earlier we can start getting them thinking about this, the better. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I kind of suspected this was your, your reason, but I think it's just really smart taking these things that are hard for a little person's brain to wrap their heads around and uh, make it more tangible and relate it to their world. So I applaud you for pulling it off. <laughs> Thank you. And I mean, let's be honest, it's hard for big people's brains to wrap around half the time. So for sure. Yeah. I still, I talk about being a marketer to like, I, I mean, I, I probably have the same conversation with my seven-year-old daughter as I do with like my mom or dad about why I, <laughs> what I do for a living and what like my in, ins and outs of my day are. So yeah, I think it's really great. So where, where are you going next with the books? You've got two of them. Are you going to keep them going or? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep them going. I know that I'm going to have at least a third book, and I haven't decided on the topic yet. I was thinking either something with intermodal transportation, just because I think the illustrations would be great to see, you know, piggyback and fishy back and birdie back and all of these different transport mechanisms. I also might try and tackle the bullwhip effect. That's that's one that I would love to try and bring. I know that it's been done in the beer game. Almost anyone who's been to business school in the last 10 years probably has played the beer game, which is a great illustration of the bullwhip effect. And so I'm wondering if I can make that a little bit more age appropriate for elementary school kids. So Megan, I know that you are a believer in using stories as you've sort of demonstrated here to in you know a variety of places. But one of the things you mentioned to me was that stories can be really powerful in breaking down silos inside of B2B organizations. So wondering if you could talk about what you mean by that and also if you could provide any examples for context. One thing about silos in organizations is they get... Well, I mean, they get a bad reputation for a reason because they affect productivity, but they occur for a reason too. I mean, the reason that we have organizations and we're not just all one-man shows is because each department 
has, a, they have a core set of knowledge that only they possess. They are the experts. You know, operations knows exactly how the lines run. Sales knows exactly how to approach the customer in the best way. Marketing knows exactly how to position a product. We can't all know everything. And so these barriers, you know, these barriers exist for a reason. But stories can help us to sort of break or like go between these barriers. So they provide a, a, you know, some, some pores so that knowledge can flow in and out. And what they do really is provide a structure. So every single department has tons of details, tons of expertise, and they need to be able to get just the right level of detail to, you know, to the organization as a whole. So stories... And it doesn't even have to be a complete narrative, just a metaphor will do, but that will provide the structure that everyone can come in and hang their details onto so that there's a semblance of a whole. An example here is, again, dragons. I like dragons, but I just, I heard a talk recently. It was in an IT organization, but I think it could apply to all sorts of organizations where, I mean, Operations, especially sort of in the IT world where you're, you're working on applications that keep the lights on, basically, you're keeping the business running. If you're in an environment like that, you don't want change. I mean, you, are, you are trying to maintain consistency and standardization. You don't want anything to come in and disrupt that. If you are in more on kind of the creative side, if you're on the innovation side, you're looking for new technologies to come in and make the, the organization run better. You love change. You're embracing it and you are constantly looking for something new. And so the metaphor that ties all of these worlds together is um, ancient maps. Before, you know, before we had explored every single you know, square inch of the world, there would be areas that no ship had sailed to yet. And so on the map, they would just, they would draw a little dragon and say, here be dragons. And that served as a warning or at least an indication that, you know, we don't know what's there. So kind of, if you're, if you're sailing through this area, kind of be on, be on watch. And so this metaphor here of dragons, dragons indicating change, it, it works for the people who want consistency. They can say, you know, this dragon is a warning. Like I'm not going into this quadrant of the map here, you know, like F4 is off limits for me. But then sales or you know, innovation or whoever wants change, they can come in and say, no, you know, like dragons are like they breathe fire. Dragons are really cool. They sometimes have boards of treasure, like let's go explore. And so this, even if there isn't agreement yet, it gives a common language to start addressing a problem and to start looking at it from, you know, like kind of detached from all of the emotional charge language and detached from all of the, you know, like the very specific technical details about, you know, like this program will break down or, you know, like this client will be upset and allows you to sort of abstract out these details to have a conversation. That's cool. I like that. And I like the dragon theme too. Some of my uh, kids' favorite books are Dragons Love Tacos. I don't know if you know those ones. No, but I'm going to have to check them out because dragons and tacos are both excellent. Agree. Agree across the board there. <laughs> so Megan, you're a communications consultant. I, I know at this point, how, how do you use stories? Or I'm, I'm just kind of curious what you do to, to bring this line of thinking into the way you're advising companies that you work with. 
the stories, like I said, stories provide a structure and they provide kind of an organization. And a lot of a lot of what we do, especially in B2B organizations, is it's either super, super abstract or it's very, very, very technical or it's it's not generally accessible. I mean, if you are if you're trying to if you're if you've got an app or something like a consumer app, you can usually you've got a one sentence summary that says, you know, like this connects you to restaurants in your area that deliver. You know, everyone can understand that. If you're doing something much more complicated or much more niche, you often need a metaphor or a story to kind of give somebody a little bit kind of an easy entry into starting to understand what your business does, how you can help, and you know what sort of problems you can solve. And so I think that is that's really the main area that that stories and metaphors can come into service when we're talking B2B marketing. Yeah, makes sense. Megan, is there anything that you would like to add to this conversation that I did not ask you about or parting words of advice for manufacturing leaders who are listening right now? Business doesn't have to be boring. I think that's my main my main goal in life is especially in B2B, we sort of think, you know, we need to there's there's this gravitas that we need to maintain and I mean obviously there is. I mean, you don't need to go out and start marketing with memes or sprinkling emojis into all of your, you know, pitch decks or whatever, but you also, I mean, you need to be able to show some personality. Even in B2B, especially in B2B, you're still marketing human to human. I mean, there is, even if it's not direct to consumer, you're still talking to a person. You need to make that human connection. You need to be authentic. And I think the more that we can embrace that, the business doesn't have to be boring mentality and look for ways to make complex topics simple, look for ways to make dry topics more fun and engaging. The, the more fun we're all going to have at our jobs and the more successful we'll end up being. Love it. Well, Megan, can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you, where they can find these awesome kids books that you are in the process of, of still creating and yeah, just learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. The books, you can find them at www.supply-jane.com. And you can also find the books on Amazon if you're in the US. You can find me either on LinkedIn under Megan Preston Meyer or on Twitter or Instagram at M Preston Meyer. Awesome. Well, Megan, I really appreciate you doing this today. This was a really interesting conversation. I think what you're doing is super cool. And I hope that we can help spread the word about about these books so we can start reaching the next next generation or the generation after the next generation, as as we said earlier. All right. Thanks so much, Joe. You bet. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.